with all not your truth or kindness, Lord. With all not your truth or kindness, Lord. Welcome to the Notice, where together we notice the mercy of God. I'm Susan Hookstra, your host. Well, the memorial service has ended. The words of consolation and sympathy have dissolved, and you find yourself all alone with grief. The loss seems unbearable. Though well-meaning friends and family say, I'm sorry for your loss, they quickly forget to notice you as life goes on. You feel isolated and left with many questions. If that's you, or you know someone who is experiencing a season of grief, you'll want to join me on today's episode. As I talk with Ingrid Winsett, a ministry leader with Grief Share, to discuss the challenges of losing a loved one and what happens after the funeral. Ingrid, welcome. Hi, Susan. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. I remember uh, just meeting you not too long ago. We had an event at our church actually called The Notice as God's Stories Live. And it was an evening where we were just talking about different things that God did in stories like we do on the podcast. You wanted to share your story, and that's how we got to meet. And I know that you do a lot of work with Grief Share at our church at Trinity Church in Lansing. I'm just really glad that you're here to talk about this subject that is kind of hard to talk about. I'm really pleased that I can share my story about grieving because truly it, it, it's a path that most people will go through. You'll either be the one that's no longer here or you'll be the one left to grieve. And for me that's been a, a real journey of learning about myself, learning about others, and, and on a deeper vein it's been about learning about the Lord and how He is in the darkest of our places. He's just there. He has never left me. He's, he never leaves us, never leaves us, nor forsakes us. And um, as dark as my tunnel, as dark as my season was, I can't say enough about the mercy of God and how he's there for each one of us. It's hard because this grief is, we're talking about the grief of losing someone to death. There are other kinds of grief like losing a job, going through a divorce, or being estranged from a child or something like that. So for the purposes of this podcast today, we're going to talk about the grief that comes from losing someone to death. So how would you define grief? I think grief basically is an absolute inward loss where you, you, you're looking outward to everything. I describe mine as an implosion. I wrote a poem right from the beginning that just it was about an implosion. Mm-hmm. I was left standing and I felt like everything on the inside had imploded. And while everybody was going about their own business, which they needed to do because it wasn't their journey, I felt like I had to pick up all the pieces on the inside and I didn't know where to begin. I know a lot of people talk about that after, like we said, after the funeral, after everything's, all the condolences have been expressed. You go on with life. So tell me a little bit about your own experience with grief. Well, first of all, I'm a registered nurse, so I I had quite an exposure to loss my entire career. But the loss that I was exposed to was in hospital, and it was the day of, and I saw some grieving start in the hospital, but I never really saw the aftermath of that. Um, People were gone, they went their way, and I I continued to do my, my nursing in the hospital. 
when grief hit my own family, it was um, very, very hard for all of us. It was my first big loss was my 34-year-old uh, son. Mm -hmm. He was murdered in Tucson, Arizona. Uh, and I, one of the things that right from the beginning stuck in my mind was that two more months he would have been 35. And why mm -hmm. things like that stick with you, but it did. He um, was shot, killed, and I had to have him cremated and brought back to, to Lansing, Michigan. Right after that, a month later, my mother uh, was diagnosed with cancer while my mother-in-law was passing from uh, pancreatic cancer. So we were thrown in a whirlwind, and my husband took care of his mom. I tried to grieve my journey, and in September, my mother-in-law passed away. About a year and a half later, I lost my best friend from many, many years. She had an inoperable, uh, horrible disease. It was actually a disease that um, was equivalent to mad cow disease in the human. Took her within six months, no warning. So at that time, I was already grieving, but I don't think I was grieving well because I was, I was able to put things on the shelf trying to get to the next thing, trying to take care of the next problem, mm -hmm. trying to help those around me, help my parents grieve the loss of their grandson, um, help my grandchild uh, grieve the loss of his father. So, so you got into problem-solving mode, right? I got into <laughs> problem-solving mode. I uh, did the best I could. I also learned how to grieve by myself because I couldn't put the burden on my, on my family. So I spent the first two to three years during the night, about two o'clock in the morning till four on the computer. And I learned so much about grief. I, I had no idea the amount of information that was out there. And I was sort of like self-taught grieving mm -hmm. through that. Mm -hmm. And um, after my, my best friend passed away, we had roughly, a, I think it was about a year possibly after that. And I thought we had a breather. Everything was going well. My mom's cancer was sort of at bay. Saw my mom and dad on a Sunday. He, my dad tipped his hat, said, see ya, thanks, that was a great day, because I'd taken him for a ride. Got a call Monday morning that he had been killed instantly in a car accident. Wow. And my mother made it. She lingered for three more months and passed away very peacefully. So in less than four years, I had some really significant losses. That's a lot of loss, and it's it, loss in different ways. Some suddenly, some unexpected, some through evil when yeah, you talk absolutely. about murder wow so that was the beginning of my where i'm at today and looking back it it was a journey and sometimes people don't like to call it a journey but it is we call it a season we call it a journey and whatever you call it it's a daily absolutely getting up and trusting the lord that he's going to see you through through that's right and you know what's interesting is a lot of times don't you think people respond to grief differently Absolutely. Depending on how it happened, I would think. Like like shock is one of them. I mean, shock is like when somebody dies unexpectedly. But tell me a little bit about some maybe some of the other ways we respond to grief. I think with shock, that is, um, I'm going to say, one of the norms toward between all of us who grieve. Shock may strike us differently, but everybody goes into shock. And shock is a real buffer. You don't realize how buffered you were in your pain until shock sort of dissipates hmm. and you end up without it. That I remember the very day it happened, I don't remember the date, but I remember it leaving and I remember saying to my husband, I don't know if I can do this tomorrow. I felt that all of a sudden 
it became real, the reality of the death, the loss became so real in my face. And um, through studying and, and looking up things and talking to others, that's the time that shock just isn't there anymore. I believe it's a real godsend, something that the Lord implanted in us that we could get through that initial. Mm -hmm. It is so difficult, so hard, where every pain feels like a stagger in your heart and you take a move one way or another and it just about takes mm -hmm. you out. And then some people just, they're almost in denial. They just go on as life is normal and they act like nothing happened. Absolutely. And then I've also noticed, even with myself and my own experiences, but also observing other people, that sometimes people get really angry. They do. And I think one of the most wonderful things that I learned is that you, we were created with emotion, and we're going to express our emotions. And some emotions in our society aren't good. Others are great. Joy is wonderful. Laughter, uh, all the things that make us happy, those are good emotions. Mm -hmm. But if you, in fact, deny... The bad emotions, you can't affirm the other ones either. We're a complete being. you got to have it all and you have to manage them all. People do get angry. People get depressed. People get angry at God. And, sure. and um, he knows that. And he doesn't, he doesn't even do anything toward us, against us, or leave us. He understands our anger. Sometimes we get mad at ourselves. We condemn ourselves. Sometimes we get, I call it self-sufficiency. This is where we decide that, you know, we get into problem-solving mode or we get mm -hmm. into, no, I'm fine, everything's fine, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm good, I'm good. And then something happens. I, a friend of mine told me once about this. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, Ingrid, but it's called the grief loop. And what happens is, like, initially when it happens, there's, like, a big, big loop. And, and if you were in the studio, you could see me drawing this big, round circle. And then it kind of dissipates a little bit. And all of a sudden, there's another trigger. And then it loops again, and it loops again, and it loops again, mm -hmm. and it loops again. And it gets a little smaller, and then it loops again. Like, some of the triggers I have, I know my father died when I was 10. And one of the things that happened to me is, I don't know what it is, but every time I go to a wedding and there's a daddy-daughter dance, floodgates. They just, the floodgates just come out. And, you know, this was a long time ago when he died. He died when I was 10. Have you heard of that before? Um, I'm or familiar, something like that? I, I'm familiar with that. And I think in Grisha we use more waves. They just come in waves. And I, I think that's a really good way for people to understand their progression in grief. Like in, initially, it feels like a tsunami every time it hits, and it hits so hard, and it and it pushes you back. And most people say, "I was felt like I was doing so well," and then this, we're still doing well. It's just that it hit again. Mm -hmm. And the, as the waves come, and they, as you um, grieve forward, move forward, um, press on, and and take that grief wave. You go through it, not over, under, around it, but go through your grief. The waves actually get smaller in the time that they come from one wave to the next, usually not as, as often. They will always come. When those things come like a tsunami, like you described, what ways have you seen God notice you? I guess I'll share something that happened the night that my son was murdered, and I never knew the significance of it until weeks after um, it happened, but God noticed me, and God noticed what I needed at that, at that moment. We got the call at midnight, and by 2.05, if I remember correctly, I, I rose, arose from my recliner, ready to go to bed. There was nothing more to do that night. And as I stood up, I distinctly had the Lord impress on my heart, my spirit, 
I don't know how to describe it other than I knew he said, start forgiving now. I had no idea what that was. And um, I knew about a week or two later, I returned to work, and I knew every day I was reminded of that, start forgiving now. And it was when people were trying to fix me. Um, I had come back to work, they all knew what had happened, and they couldn't relate to it. Nobody wants to relate to a, a grieving mother. They want to fix you, and there's no fixing. And so they would say things that were, I laugh now, I didn't at the time. You know, things that were meant to fix, and all they did was make it worse. Mm -hmm. It's a tough one, because when somebody is experiencing that, you want to offer your sympathy and your empathy. And a lot of times we, of course, remind ourselves of our own experiences. And then they start telling their own experiences because they feel like they're empathizing with you. But sometimes that doesn't, that doesn't help. What ways could you encourage somebody who's going through grief? If they're experiencing the fixing mode of their friends and their families, the first thing is just remember that everybody grieves differently. There are no two grievers alike. A husband and wife will never grieve the same loss in the same way. And the kids don't, uh, the peripheral family doesn't either. Everybody has a connection to the loss and they are gonna grieve it in their own way. And the minute we start having expectations that they understand how I'm grieving or they want me to expect how they are grieving, then there's a breakdown. It becomes a very dysfunctional grief because that's not gonna happen. You have to give everybody space and you have to so much overlook things. I was in um, the office and it was a week after I, I got back to work and someone said to me, I had lost my son and someone said, there's got to be some relief. I was so angry. Wow. And I think, and she's a really good friend of mine. She and I, I've never said a word to her. I, I allowed that. But she said that and I, I, I looked at her and I think she tried to explain what she meant by saying, I mean like, you know, you don't have to worry about college or money. I'm thinking I would worry about anything to have him back. Mm -hmm. And I stormed out of the office, and one of the doctors that I worked for said to me, you don't look so good. And I must have looked like I was ready to take somebody out, mm -hmm. and <laughs> literally. And I said, I can't believe what people say. And he looked at me, put his arms on my, on my shoulder, and said, Ingrid, people are not evil. They're ignorant. And I felt like God noticed me at that moment. That has helped me through everything to realize they're not evil. Mm -hmm. They cannot understand the loss of, of any loved one, but in particular the loss of a child. Nobody can understand it apart from losing a child. Well, it's interesting you mentioned that because I kind of think of it like, yes, it's ignorant because they don't understand really the depths of what you're feeling. But there's somebody who does understand the depths of what we're feeling. And that's, that's God. That's who's noticing us because he can understand you more than anybody else can understand you. I mean, I, I've had my own losses, but to think of all those losses coming right after each other in a small period of time, which four years, that's a lot of death in four years. Sometimes people say platitudes. They'll say something like, oh, God's going to take care of you. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And it's not, it doesn't seem like it's enough. But at the same time, you're right. They don't, they don't know. They don't know what you're experiencing. And I think that's where 
we talk a lot about on this podcast is mercy is giving others mercy because they don't understand. They don't understand what you're going through. And that, honestly, we might not understand what somebody else is going through. It works both ways, you know. It works both ways. You know, there's a verse that um, a lot of people talk about when when, when we talk about grief. And I just want to share this verse right now. It's Matthew 11, 28 through 30. And it says, Come to me, all you who are weary, and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If somebody came to you and shared that verse with you, would that be helpful? I think verses have their place I think in the beginning, it was in my walk, verses were not helpful in that I knew the verses. Mm-hmm. And just saying the verses didn't undo the shock and the pain. Now, I, I give verses to people a lot, but I'm also very aware of where they are. When they're angry, the last thing they want to hear is a verse. Mm-hmm. And I, so I'm sure they feel preached at or they something. They feel preached at. And I, many times I've heard people say, I know that verse. I don't need you to tell me that verse. I know the verse. And what they need is somebody to affirm them. And I'm going to explain that in one way. Um, when I helped a lady that lost her son, paramedic, shot to death, shouldn't have happened. Um, she was very, very bitter. And she got saved. And she said, I just want you to know, I am never going to forgive. And I know I'm going to hell if I don't. Hmm. And... Right inside, I'm going to say, but I wanted to spew out all the scriptures to help her through that, and I felt like the Lord just noticed where she was, mm-hmm. and said, I said to her, man, I get that, and it stopped her in her tracks. You know, that's really important, because one of the things we talk a lot about on this podcast is the difference between validation and affirmation. To to me, to be validated means somebody's acknowledging that your experience is your experience. They're not necessarily putting a label on it saying that's good or bad, but they're just validating you. They're validating you. And then affirmation is like an approval process, I think. We talk about that a lot. Affirmation is more, I'm approving of what your experience is. But I think at the heart of it, maybe when people are grieving, I don't know, when they're grieving, just acknowledging that their experience is their experience. Is is comforting, helpful? What do you think? I think that is very comforting. I mean, what what can you say? What can you add to that? What Initially, there's nothing anyone can say. There was one time that I had an experience where I was grieving and this woman, it was a woman in my small group, and I came into my small group, and she didn't say anything to me. I didn't say anything to her, but I laid down on the couch, and I was just kind of, you know, huddled up in kind of like a fetal position. And she just came over, and she just stroked my hair. She didn't say anything. She didn't shout scriptures. <laughs> she didn't do any of that. She just stroked my hair. And I, that was such a loving thing at that time. Because I felt like she was doing just that. She was experiencing and acknowledging my experience was real to me. 
So are there times when people just try to ignore their grief and act like it doesn't exist? I believe people do. And I think um, one of the things that I actually teach people is like if you're working, you, you really do have to compartmentalize that grief. You can't go to work for eight hours and every hour be breaking down. So address your grief, acknowledge it in the morning, go through it in the morning, do the best you can. Now, will you have ambushes during the day? Of course. But make a decision in the morning that you're going you're gonna to leave it at home to the best of your ability. You're going to do your best you can at work. And then when you return at night, at night pick it up again. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's a healthy grieving. And But there are also people, uh, one of the experiences I had was a, a gentleman that came to my grief share, my very first one actually, he came to learn. And very first um, video, he broke down and said, my gosh, I didn't know I hadn't grieved. Mm. So we're, we're all supportive and saying, so do you want to talk about it? He said, I am grieving my mother. She died 20 years ago. And that to him, that was the very first time through the videos and, and, and the, you know, the encouragement to share grief and share your stories. I, uh, he opened up, shared that. He was delivered. He became a totally different man. Hmm. He didn't have to grieve for a year. He didn't really have to grieve for a very long time because it had been 20 years. But he had to grieve. And at that moment, somebody acknowledged his grief, didn't somebody they? Somebody acknowledged and his just grief. just validated it. Absolutely. Said, yes, your experience is real to you. Yes. Yes, it's real to you. So give me some examples of some healthy ways of expressing your grief. First of all, if you're going to express your grief verbally, most of us that are bereft, which is the term I think is a funny term for grieving people, but we are those that have a loss from death, and we guard our hearts. So when you, uh, the first thing is to ex- to express your grief would be f- to find somebody that can share the pain. You don't want to find somebody that's going to fix you. And and I I'm not saying that those people aren't doing what they doing the best for you, but it usually isn't. You don't need to be fixed. Mm-hmm. You need somebody that can understand the depth of your pain. And usually it's someone that has experienced a like loss. Right. And it's a caring thing. It's a caring ministry to come alongside somebody who's grieving as opposed to like a discipleship and we're going to change you or something, you know, or, or, or encourage something. It's, it's more of a come alongside. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I use in my grief share is Dr. Alan Wolfelt. He has been a grief counselor for decades. And he has um, companioning is what he calls it you become the companion of that person that has lost their loved one through death. And it's not changing anything. It's walking alongside them and allowing them to work out their grief, work through it, and be, be with them. You don't have to fix them. You don't really even have to preach at them or give them scriptures. Usually it's allowing that person to express themselves verbally. You don't try to put order into their disorder. Some of the disorder is necessary because they have to unpack it. Mm-hmm. They have to find, figure out why it's disorderly and what fits now and what doesn't. Mm-hmm. So somebody who would want to come to like Grief Share. Now Grief Share is this, it's actually a national program that has been designed. I'm not sure who, who, who came up with it, but it's offered at a lot of churches. And it's a program where people can come and meet with other people who have gone through grief and understand it. 
and be able to express it so they can get that moment where they're being acknowledged, where mm -hmm. grief is real, where somebody understands that grief is real. So what can you tell me a little bit about grief and what would you say? Would, would grief share be a good first step or a good later step or what, what are your thoughts There's on different, that? There's differing opinions on when you should go to grief share and, and I tell everybody I don't know if you if everyone should go to grief share. I do know that grief share works for everyone that comes. You know, some people choose to go out in the woods and grieve by themselves. Some people take a book and, and works through self-help. Whatever works in your grief season, I, I support that. But grief share um, is, is a tremendous way to unpack the grief in a way that's going to get you through it. Some people uh, that do grief share, they don't advise that people come until six months to a year after the loss. Hmm. And I personally have said, and I run my grief share with, with the premise that if you think you're ready, come. Mm -hmm. And if you find that you're not ready, don't come back until the next session. Right. But come whenever you have that inkling to just, I need to go somewhere and I need help. Mm -hmm. And many times if it's too early in the grieving se uh, season, those people will actually be very silent most of the grief share. Um, after they've grieved for a while, they're, they're more expressive. So um, you come to Grief Share and basically you find people that are like-minded um, because they have a loss. They want to get better, and I, I don't mean in a healing or fixing way, but they want to get from where they are. And Grief Share calls it a journey from mourning to joy, mm -hmm. which I totally, totally support. That's what it is. Your goal is to find the joy in the Lord again. He's never left you. But you've got to reinstitute that joy through his hand in your life while you're grieving. So you come to Grief Share, you uh, share your testimony as much as you want. So, and I give everyone the option to say, if you don't want to say anything, just say pass. And mm -hmm. we go right to the next person. Then you are given a video, which is a video that is developed by professors and theologians. The Grief Share is totally biblically based. And then at the end, we do some discussion. When I first did Grief Share, my biggest fear was that nobody would say anything and I would have to do all the talking. Mm. <laughs> After my first Grief Share, I started to pray, Lord, help me not to, to offend anybody when, if I have to just you know, stop the discussion. Mm -hmm. And what I found is that people come there and they, um, they just pour out. Mm -hmm. They pour out because they carry it all week. They carry it in their families. They carry it at work. They don't know where to take it. And once a week in a grievous setting where, where grief is normalized through the videos, mm -hmm. they can and they do progress forward. And it is a normal reaction. I mean, yes. we think about when Lazarus died in the scriptures. Jesus wept. He, he grieved. And I think that we have to find our own way of doing that. And it could be lots of different ways, but one of the best things you said is that they have to tell their story. Yes. And I think that storytelling, which I'm a huge advocate of, but I think 
by telling your story, that's part of the healing process. It's like, you know, when there's an onion and you have to just take off the layers. And it's going to, you know, you have to take off one layer at a time. And I do think telling your story, even multiple times, is helpful. Now, did you find that when you told your story, I hope that you've told it more than once, especially about your son being murdered. I hope you've had the chance to tell you. Was that healing for you? It was healing. And oddly enough, I've learned so many things through this. In my beginning stages of grief, I used to tell strangers, complete strangers, <laughs> and and I think the Lord was taking me through a learning so that I could help others with that. Because when I shared it with friends, churchgoers, family, if they were hurting, they weren't any help, and if they didn't know what to do with me, they did more detriment. They should have just left me alone. But when I went like in a store, and somebody said, "Hey," and I'm very friendly, so I'm always going, "Hi." And they'd say, hey, how you doing? And I, I would let the floodgates wow. fly, okay. and I would say, my son was murdered. And that stranger who didn't know me and wouldn't see me again, which made it really safe for me to let all that out, mm -hmm. would say, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. And because they didn't know me, they didn't know what else to say. And that sorry was such a, a soothing balm. Well, it's kind of a validation through. that your pain is really real. Absolutely. Like you said, normalizing it is saying your pain is really real. Yes. And this is this this really happened. You know, this really happened and I have to do something with this pain. I can't just ignore it. I have to do something. And when you get that validation, just somebody saying, you know, that really I'm sorry that happened to you is is goes a long way goes a long way so they there's also there's other thing that i'd like to point out right now and that is like when you are sharing your your testimony like that your story you're sharing your story a couple things that i promote for everybody that comes to grief share is start saying the name no matter how painful it is mm -hmm. don't say my husband died my son died people have come back and said the hardest thing I ever did in grief share was say the name. And the first time I said it, I felt more relief than I ever had from the beginning of my journey. So it's really important to acknowledge the person as a person. It's not just a thing or an event that happened. You lost a person. In my particular case, I lost my son, Jeff. Mm -hmm. So I, and, I you were, and one of the things I was just recently listening to... Uh, a sermon about the Beatitudes, and it was talking about blessed are the mournful, for they shall be comforted. And the take on this particular message was that if you if you mourn or if you grieve, that means that the relationship mattered, that something about that was mattered, and that you were relationally rich. So when you say, Jeff, you're saying, I had a relationship with this person, and he mattered, and we mattered. And the relationship mattered. And I think that's that's really important because I think that's where we find our comfort mm -hmm. is to know that that, you know, this is real. This is this really happened and this person was really real too. So how can somebody get connected into a, a group with Grief Share? Multiple churches in the area and actually it's an international group. Um, they have them everywhere throughout the country and in the world. And it started in a church initiative in North Carolina. They run the thing. And one thing that I liked about church, in church initiative and grief share is that it is totally 
scriptural, totally Bible-based. We don't exclude people that are not of a Christian faith. They can come in and they, they learn and they grieve well as well. And we, it's not to convert you. It's not to change you. It's to help you grip what's going on in your life. With, come with, alongside you. And come alongside. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So uh, grief shares in our area can be um, accessed by going on, online and uh, putting in griefshare.org. And there's a section that says find a group. Mm -hmm. And if you put in your zip code, many and, and give the mileage that you're willing to travel, it will give you all types of different grief shares that are running. Most of them don't run at the same time, so there's different options during the week. Last time I checked, every day of the week, including Sunday in our area, had a grief share running. One other thing is if you come to, to say, my grief share, and then you can't come the next time, but you could go to a different grief share, do that. You don't mm -hmm. ever have to miss. You can go to other grief shares and share with their uh, people as well. So if you are experiencing grief or know somebody, you can go to the griefshare.org website again and, and look for that information. Also, Ingrid leads a group at Trinity Church here in Lansing, Michigan, and you could call the office at 517-272-3820 if you're interested in joining that group. But again, you can go online and find a group as well. So in closing, Ingrid, first of all, I just want to thank you so much for sharing your story for sharing with me some of these things about grief that I didn't know. Um, what would you say, though, to that person out there who's listening today, who's experiencing grief? What do you want to say to that person? There's actually a lot of things I would like to say, but I think I can pack it all in one sentence. It says, you are not alone. And when you feel like you're alone and, and nobody physically is with you, he is with you. He has never left me nor forsaken me, and, and that seems like a cliche, but it, it's, it's paramount and so big in my life. He's always with me. There has been a day that I did not know he was with me, and that's what I'd like to encourage people with. Don't give up. Don't give in. Press on. Go through your grief. Unpack it with him and take every bit of it, because when you do, you will arrive at a place where the painful memories actually become precious memories. And my memories actually su sustain me now. I don't look at pictures and cry. I look at the pictures and smile, and I am totally thankful. And you remember that and relationship. And I remember the relationship. Because that relationship had Absolutely. value. It had value and worth. Yes. And it's worth grieving. So thank you so much for that, Ingrid. So thank you so much for listening today. And for all our listeners out there, if you could take a few minutes and share your comments about this episode and others on iTunes, that would be great because your input and support is greatly appreciated. So next time on The Notice, have you ever felt like you told your story but no one was listening? Do you often feel unheard? Join me as we explore the ways we truly feel heard and learn new ways to listen to others. If you want to improve your listening skills or be encouraged that God does truly hear you, you won't want to miss our next episode. Until then, 